You're listening to a podcast from Reality Honolulu. For more information or ways to get involved in the life of the church, visit realityhonolulu.com. Thanks for listening. Aloha and welcome. Thank you so much for joining us here for another Sunday of Digital House Church here at House Church here at Reality Honolulu. I'm so grateful that you're joining us and um, just blessed to be able to have this space on Sundays to worship and exalt our God and um, to give some announcements to make sure you are in the know and included on all that God is doing in our midst and also to get into God's word and allow him to speak to us. Uh, Before I get into the word, I want to uh, give us some announcements and make sure you're aware of some stuff going on and uh, then we'll pray and get into our time. But um, thank you guys so much last night. For those of you that were able to come to our worship night and baptism, an incredible time. Not only declaring the goodness of God, of, of who he is and what he's done for us, but then we get to, we get to see it in the pool up there to baptize um, those that have put their hope and trust in Christ. And we got to see that outward display of them identifying with the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so such a testimony of what God is doing in our midst and in our church despite our circumstances. Amen? Amen. Also, if you were there, I announced this. Big news. But also, if you're here and you weren't there, this is also big news. I want to make sure you're aware. Uh, church, the DOE, the Department of Education, is allowing us to come back and gather again in their facilities. And for us, that means our new home at Central Intermediate or Central Middle School uh, in downtown. Guys, this is what we've been waiting for and praying for and really anticipating would happen. Um, and so we are doing what we need to do to move forward. We've, we're in the process of submitting all the paperwork and tentatively, if all things go well, right? This is the season of being flexible. So I hope you can still know that if this needs to change, it will. But the plan is to relaunch our church, AKA Sundays and all that we, that we did, even kids' church and youth, and that's the plan, on Sunday, August 1st. Sunday, August 1st. And so what that does is, um, it, in the meantime, is it gives us some runway here to get ready for that, to rebuild our teams. Um, we, we Over the next two or so months, we'll be, uh, recruiting new teams, ushers and greeters and parking and uh, safety and kids' church teachers. And we want you to be praying how you can be a part of Sunday mornings. Um, also, gives us time to just practically get the space ready and kind of uh, install our sound system and like get, get everything we need to get ready there um, and get the word out and just uh, relaunch the church as we know it. In the meantime, over this summer, we will be doing some more work projects and uh, beautification stuff to not only bless the school, but get our home ready. And we will be transitioning to summer worship nights there in our space. 
again, it's a work in progress. Sometimes we'll have sound, sometimes it'll be acoustic. Sometimes uh, if we can, right, we're gonna be eating in the courtyard and breaking bread and kids running all over the place, fellowshipping, praying in our new space. So guys, this is the summer. We're moving back into meeting um, more regularly, regularly come August 1st, Lord willing. On Sundays, 10 a.m. Central Middle School. So, guys, this is like the news we've been waiting for and wanting for for uh, a year and a half, or it will be by the time we meet. Um, there is so much more info to come, but we want to, as a staff and as a church, relay um, as much as we can, as soon as we can, to just encourage you and give you hope that we're moving back and we're getting back to where we want to be, but now in a new home, officially starting chapter two of the reality Honolulu story, Lord willing, Sunday, August 1st, 10 a.m. Central Middle School. I wish I was with you and I heard you uh, or your announcement, but last night I did. And so we will fully be together in person very soon here, church, um, but more to come. But again, without further ado, and uh, we are going to allow God's word today to shape us, to teach us, to allow us to get a glimpse into his character and the attributes of a follower of Jesus. And as we jump into the book of Acts today in Acts chapter 20, we'll jump back into this story and historic narrative of Paul the Apostle on his third missionary journey traveling through Asia and Europe and uh, modern-day Turkey, modern-day Greece, and all these things and all these details. But what I want to ask you, I'm going to ask you this. I'm going to pray and we're going uh, to uh, read the text. I'm going to read the text and pray. But this is what I want to ask you prior to doing that. There's a lot here. I am going to read the entirety of the chapter, Acts 20, verses 1 through 38. So it's kind of a lot. It's going to take a few minutes here. There's a lot of details. There's a lot of city names and people names. There's a few things happening. Um, but I want us to, as we're reading, be mindful yourself as you are watching this of specifically something or, or, or some things about Paul. Again, if I was just speaking to a group of elders or pastors or church planters, I, I, would, I would do this differently. This is our church, many facets, many ages here. 99% uh, of us are not in church leadership or an elder at a church. That's the second half here we're going to get to. But this is what I want us today to be mindful of is how does Paul act and respond to people in situations? What's the tone and the tenor of his life? So again, as I read this next 38 verses and pray, be mindful of some of the descriptions of what Paul is doing and how he's acting to those around him, okay? I know there's a lot, but just try to concentrate on that, okay? With me? Okay, I wouldn't know, but I think you are for those watching. Here we go. Acts 20. Verses 1 through 38, NIV translation. Read it, and I'll pray. <clears throat> when the uproar had ended in Ephesus from last week, Paul sent for the disciples, and after encouraging them, listen to that, after encouraging them, said goodbye and set out for Macedonia. 
He traveled through that area, speaking many words of encouragement to the people, and finally arrived in Greece, where he stayed three months. Because some Jews had plotted against him, just as he was about to sail for Syria, he decided to go back through Macedonia. He was accompanied by Sopater, son of um, Pyrrhus, from Berea, Aristocras, uh, and Secundus, uh, from Thessalonica, uh, Gaius from Derbe, Timothy also from Ty uh, Titius, and Tromismus from the province of Asia. For sure didn't say those right, but I know you have grace. Um, these men went on ahead and waited for us at Troas. But we sailed from Philippi uh, after the festival of unleavened bread and five days later joined the others at Troas where we stayed seven days. Just kind of recounting his trip there. Verse 7. On the first day of the week, we came together to break bread, right? Eat together. Paul spoke to the people and because he intended to leave the next day, he kept on talking until midnight. There were many lamps in the upstairs room where they were meeting. Seated in a window was a young man named Eutychus, who was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. When he was sound asleep, he, he fell to the ground from the third story and was picked up dead. Paul went down. He threw himself on the young man. What did he do? He put his arms around him. And he said, don't be alarmed, he said. He's alive. Then he went upstairs again, broke bread, and he ate it. After talking until daylight, he left. The people took the young man home alive and were greatly comforted. Verse 13. We went on ahead to the ship and sailed for Assos, or Assos where we were going to take Paul aboard. He had made this arrangement because he was going there on foot. Where he, uh, when he met us at Assos, he took him aboard and went to Midland. The next day, we set sail from there and arrived off Chios. The day after that, we crossed over to Samos and on the following day arrived at Miletus. Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus to avoid spending time in the province of Asia, for he was in a hurry to reach Jerusalem, if possible, by the day of Pentecost. Again, just recounting his travels there. Verse 17. From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When the elders arrived, he said to them, you know how I lived the whole time I was with you. He's recounting this to them. You know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came to the province of Asia, I served the Lord with great humility and with tears in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would, be, that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem. 
not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. Verse 24, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Love that verse. Verse 25, keep going. He keeps speaking to these, the, the elders in Ephesus. He says, Now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Kind of a farewell here, right? He says, Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of any of you. For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. And then he gives some instructions. He says, Keep Watch over yourselves and all the flock, all the church, right? Of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. He says this, be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on guard. Remember that for three years, right, three years he had spent in Ephesus, I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Verse 32, now I commit you to God. And to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering that the words of the Lord himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Wrapping up there, he says, now Paul had finished speaking. He knelt down with all of them and he prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them most was his statement that they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to the ship. This is the word of the Lord. Why don't you pray with me? God, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you that we have it readily available for us to freely study that you've preserved it for us, that it is your word. And even as we get a glimpse into this historical narrative of what happened in, in, in Ephesus and the elders and the region and sailing and this third missionary journey of your servant Paul, our brother in the faith. As we look at his life, 
As we look at the Holy Spirit's role in his life, we pray, Lord, that we would get a glimpse of not only what we're supposed to look like ourselves, but where that comes from, the very heart and nature of the God that created us, that loves us, and that we serve. Pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, this is an overview. As you know, that's a lot. There's a lot there. I want to remind you, for so many of us, we want more. We want to dig in. We want deeper. We're providing that now. If you didn't know, every single week on Mondays, we launch on the website. or remind you on social media. We blast it on our email newsletter. Discussion questions, resources, um, questions that are going to confront you and dig in and what if and what does that look like? We're going to provide deeper discipleship resources for our text this week. And so specifically, as we wrap up the book of Acts and as we kind of read longer parts of, of scripture, I want to remind you of that. But guys, as we read that story, and I asked you before to be mindful of Paul's character there. What I want to do is I want to look at that. Number one is what characteristics marked Paul, i.e. the follower of Jesus, and what was his and their and should be our motivation to act that way? And if you didn't pick it up, whether it's his time sailing or with healing Eutychus as he preached till midnight, um, whether it's his farewell address to the Ephesian elders, I, I want us to be mindful, even in the first couple verses, right? That after encouraging them, verse one, verse two, after speaking many words of encouragement, coming out of a three-year stint of incredible persecution and hardship, Paul's response to the believers and the church is one of encouragement and care. He's being mindful that he's leaving them, that they're on their own, that they're following Jesus in the midst of a, of a really difficult environment. And we see his shepherd's heart, his, his care for people coming out. And two times in two verses, he says, he's encouraging them. He's exhorting them. He's building them up. I want us to be mindful that that is to be a part of every Christian's life. Some of us have the gift of encouragement and we're just encouragers and we encourage a lot. But all of us are to, in some extent, encouraging other people, building people up, like, like helping and supporting people to continue to walk with the Lord and help them in their life. And, and, just, and just be a support and encouragement is part of the believer. Also, not, not only that, but as we move to kind of this interesting, weird, funny, sad story of, of, of this man like Paul is preaching for so long in this upper room, like for hours and hours and hours. He gets so tired, he's sitting in the windowsill and he tragically, like he falls asleep during this sermon and he tragically falls and he dies. What is Paul's response? He runs down the stairs. He sees what's happened. 
What is, what is Paul motivated to do? Again, it's not Paul, but it's the Holy Spirit in Paul. What is he motivated to do? Is to care, and he literally, like, look at how vivid the description of what Paul does. There's this, this man, this boy on the ground. He has just died. People are surrounded. Paul goes down, and it says that he threw himself on the young man, and he wraps himself, he wraps his arms around this young man that has just passed away, and obviously not Paul, but by the power of God in him, he says, no, this man is not dead. He is alive, and he's miraculously healed. And Paul goes back up, eats some more food, and keeps on preaching, right? That's incredible. But in the miracle, I want, to see the mo I want us to see the motivation. I want to see that the markings. Well, it's care. It's healing. It's restoring what's broken to its perfect created design. Does that sound like the things that we should be about? Again, it's not going to be always like God's going to use you to, to raise that person from the dead. But is there brokenness in the world? Is there hurting? Is there pain? Are things out of order the way that God designed them? You name the thing that is out of order. What's the Christian's response? Is it just to point fingers and like, you did it, and here's why you're in that bad position, and here's why you're wrong? Because that's what Paul could have done. Think about that. Paul could have been like, you shouldn't be sitting by the window. I can't believe he fell asleep during my sermon. Right? He could have been easily blaming this young man's plight on his own responsibilities, but instead, he said, something is broken and hurting and needs healing. And God's heart is for healing and restoration, regardless of, of the why. Church, that should be our response to the brokenness in the world. Our first response should be empathy and care and compassion. We'll talk about the details and the ways and, and the what ifs later. But when we experience and see brokenness in our world at any level, the church's response, the Christian's response should be care and compassion and a desire to see broken things healed and made right. Again, I just want us to be mindful of what's happening here. Again, the, the, what's marking, what is marking Paul and the Christian, and what is motivating Paul to do these things. And not only that, right, our story goes into this kind of long dialogue, this farewell speech um, to these leaders, to these elders at, <clears throat> excuse me, the church in Ephesus. Paul has spent three years with them. He's, 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 he's uh, helped raise up this leadership in the church. And so he's kind of giving his farewell address here. And there's a lot of things, again, if I was preaching to leadership and you know, pastors and elders of a church specifically, we'd be like, let's look at what Paul told them and how does that apply to me and, and let's do the same things, right? <clears throat> but Paul here, like, I don't know if you noticed, but there is such love and partnership with this group of leaders. This isn't just run like a business, this is a family. This is their God, their brothers and sisters in Christ. I mean, this is a family that he's speaking to. And there's such care and compassion and love for one another that they literally 
when, they, when, when Paul is done, they kneel down and pray and they are weeping because Paul himself said, is, guys, I'm not going to see you again. I just know how this is going to go and the persecution awaiting for me. And uh, We were together these past years, but this is, this is goodbye until we see Jesus uh, face to face in heaven. And their response is like they are... They're mourning. They're mourning this loss of this dear friend. Again, I just want you to see like what Paul is saying. All of that stuff is important. But how is he speaking with them? How has he lived with them? It's been out of love and care and kindness. And even the one of the things he, 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 he says in verse 35, I just want to take out one of those things. He says uh, in verse 35, In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself said, It is better, more blessed to give than to receive. And again, there's a handful of, of people and situations he could be speaking to in Ephesus in their time together. But nonetheless, what is Paul saying here? He's saying, I modeled this. You got to continue to do this as the church and as Christians and as followers of Jesus. You need to, you need to show kindness and help and care to those in need. To those that are weak and those that are without and those that are in need in your city, in your church, in, in, in your region, in your environment. The mark of the Christian should be not only kindness and care, but of giving of oneself to help those in need. So I just want to, I want to like look at that. So just in this one chapter, what characteristics marked Paul and what characteristics should mark the believer? Me and you and all those that follow Jesus that are Christians. By name, little Christs. Our life is to model the life of Christ. Paul is attempting to do that. We get a, a picture of that here, right? What, what is the marking of a Christian? It's encouragement, it's care, it's healing, it's seeing broken things made right, it's caring for those that are, that are weak or in need, it's help, it's kindness, it's love, it's, it's partnership. Like, do you see that? Again, that's not the only things, but I want us to be mindful in all these different circumstances Look at how the Holy Spirit used Paul in the world. And so rightfully so, we should ask ourselves, what marks us? If someone were to read uh, a chapter of a book and it was all about you and all about me, through different areas of our life over a, a couple year period. And we were to pull out uh, good things, and bad things, and hard things, and sad things. And I was going to, and I said, examine the chapter. 
How did you, reading your story, reading my story, how did we respond? What marked our life? And again, I don't mean this by any means to condemn or judge or guilt trip you at all, but rather allow the Word of God and the Spirit of God right now to refine us, challenge us, make us more like Jesus. Because for a lot of us, I would say, ooh, read our story, read our chapter, anxiety, stress, anger, worry. What would it be? Ooh, um... Ooh, not kindness. Oh, care? Ooh, helping those in need? Ooh, you know what I mean? Like, again, a lot of you were, like, are awesome and, and God's using you and it's not totally opposite. But, but my challenge is, is like, what marks you? What areas do we need to grow in? We feel like our narrative, our story would not see the same things then this would be the time. This is the Sunday. This is the moment that we continue to allow God to work in us. That we would be a people that are, my, that are marked by kindness and care and love and compassion and empathy to those around us, despite what caused the problem. There's just problems. There's problems. How do we be a part of fixing it? How do we come alongside those that are broken? Not even understanding. Like we have nothing, we have no clue. But how do we just ha have empathy? How do we care? That should be our first response. Not, not pointing fingers, not judging, not what if, not, no, stop, stop. I'm not saying that those things aren't important, but that's not our first go-to. Can't be. Shouldn't be. It's not the way of Jesus. It's not the way of the Christian. So again, I just want to challenge us in a world full of brokenness, in the world full of pain, in the world full of, of, of not these things, Christians were to be the sources of kindness and care and compassion, empathy and love to those around us. But why? I'm not going to just stop there. But, so, my, so that should mark us. We should be challenged, right? We should ask God to refine us and grow us and Help us, God, to be more like that. Like, free me right from, from the things that are, that are selfish and, 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 and not of you. I want to be more like you. I want to be more like Paul in these situations. I'm like, let's just stop there. What motivated Paul and what should motivate the Christian? Why should we be doing that? Well, because Riz told me. No. Because it just feels like that's a good being a good person. No. Um, why? Why did Paul do it? Why should we do it? What motivated him? What should motivate us? It should be. It needs to be. The only way that it's meant to be really is that the love of God would compel us. That for what God did for us through Jesus Christ on the cross, because of that great love, because of his kindness and compassion, while we were yet sinners and enemies to God, that's when God sent his son to save us. He showed care and compassion. When we were broken and needing him most, he came and he died for us. It's because of what God did for us 
and the kindness and the love and the compassion that he showed us, that in turn, that's why we show it to others around us. We love others because God first loved us, 1 John 4, 19. We love because God loved. Why do we give? Because God gave us everything for us. Why do we sacrifice for ourselves? Because God sacrificed what was most precious to him in his son to give us life. So kindness and care and compassion and empathy and love and healing and stepping into the brokenness with those things, why should we do it? Because it's messy and it's hard. Why? Because God first loved us and uh, first loved us, and that should motivate us. It should literally compel us to do the same. Do you see that? It's not just because we should or are obligated or to check off some boxes, but literally our life should be changed and empowered by the love of God so that the fruits, what marks our life, what marks our story, is what marked Paul's here. It's encouragement, it's care, it's kindness, it's compassion, it's healing brokenness. Love abounding in our life. And so church, I just want us to hold that and sit in that and be challenged by it. But also to live into what we're designed to. To live into our, our, our rightful place as Christians in this world, in this next season of our church. That we would give. That we would show compassion and care to those around us that are in need. Amen? Amen, church. Let's pray. Let's enter into another time of worship. God, thank you so much for just your love, your care for us, that we ha have you as our model, that we look to you. We look to your word and by the power of your spirit, how to live and to navigate the world around us. And Lord, I, I do pray not only for us, but just as the church and as your people worldwide, I pray that kindness and care and compassion and empathy would mark us more than it does. Especially coming out of this year that we've been through, I think we need some growing. I think we need some, um, some, some challenge in how we're living and why we're living the way we do and why we're thinking the way we think. And so, Holy Spirit, would you continue to make us more like Jesus? Pray that these things that we saw today in Paul, the things that we know of Jesus and your heart, Father, the heart of God would be seen through the people of God to those around strengthen us, refine us, encourage us, strip us from the things that are not of you. I pray that we would decrease so that you would increase. Pray for this time of worship now that you'd be exalted in our homes. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.